0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. This is John Maloney, and I'm here with my pod brother, Alexander Holland. Shwa shwa shwa. Episode 54 this week, which I'm sure for many of you brings to I mind. It's, I, think
1: it's 50, I think it's 53. Oh, no. It's
0: an episode. Is it? <laughs> Sean Wren was 52 last week. Oh, fuck. I thought Sean Wren was 53. Wow. There you go. I've lost count. Um, oh, so well, many. I had a whole bit lined up about Studio 54 <laughs> and how, you know, it's just, <laughs> with, with the podcast was going to try and capture the... Orgiastic spirit of like You know sure and David Bowie Just snorting coke out of Andy Warhol's belly button <laughs> But we'll do that next week This week Episode 53 The lesser known uh, And ill-fated venue Studio 53 Which was a very downbeat <laughs>
1: The precursor to Studio 54 pre-cursor,
0: yeah um, all the shits, all the shit. Seventies celebrities were there.
1: So, so we're gonna say episode fifty three, unless you've done a, if, I mean, unless you want to do a
0: whole, unless you've made the whole episode about Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, and we've then... got a, we've got a real problem. No, the the only thing I know about number fifty three, which is also a little bit of a seventies reference, is it was the number of Herbie, the anthropomorphic car. Who ah. you remember Herbie? Let's see. Yeah, the racing number of Herbie, a fix, fictional Volkswagen Beetle with a mind of his own, appearing in the mm. uh, first appearing in 1968 in the film Love Bug, and of course, we love anthropomorphic objects and mascots yeah. on the show. So Herbie's probably pretty on theme, really. But that's as far as I'll go. I had a, I had a, you know, forty to forty-five minutes about Studio 54, <laughs> but in the bin, in the bin it goes. <laughs> And it's not going to be topical by the time that episode comes around either. <laughs> it was very, it was very time sensitive humor. Well, uh, this week I think some of our loyal listeners would be able to anticipate one of the issues that might have crossed our desks, and uh, one of the issues that we've deemed warrants attention, and that is, of course, Will Smith's. Uh, Won an Oscar. Congratulations, Will. <laughs> he did.
1: He's a fine actor and I would add a fine gentleman. He's, a kind of, he's the kind of man that I would, if I had kids, I would say be
0: exactly like Will Smith. Mm. If you're wondering about anything as you make your way through life, look no further than Willard Smith. I think we first mentioned Will, I recently re- remembered, on episode one of the podcast. And, oh, no way. And most recently on, I think, episode 51 or 52. Do you know, can you
1: can you remind me what was the context of the first
0: reference? The first reference was we were talking about 1993, which, of course, is a flagship year for the show. Oh, but also yeah. we talked about how we met that year and we, then we thought about yeah. what was going on that year. And I think that was fresh prince of bel-air era maybe boom shake the room
1: yeah it's correct it's the boom shake the room year mm. and so that also that also goes to show that Will Smith has been a through line mm. in our entire relationship because we met in 93 mm. so there's not been a moment that you and I have known each other mm. that Will hasn't in some way played a part in <laughs> it's true he's been there
0: yeah the whole time it's true although i have to say I have not thought so much about him ever as I have in the last 3 or 4 months. <laughs> um and I know that people are going to be people are going to be, you know, wanting to jump to strong conclusions. Everyone gets on this Twitter sphere and they want to have a scream and they want to make their position felt. But I think um I think to quote Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, "It's a time for healing, and I'm here for it." I think those were very mm. powerful and meaningful words. And she posted that on social media. Yeah, and one of the one of the, as I said to you um, when this first came out, one of the ways that I think we've gone wrong as a society is that we have come to be quite critical of people who uh become so overwhelmed with emotion that they publicly assault other people and maybe this is an opportunity for us to reconsider that position um i think particularly if somebody's prepared to get up after they've uh, after they've thought to themselves that was offensive so i'm going to walk up on stage and hit someone in front of millions of people if they then say that they did that out of love uh, I think, well, so long as you acted out of love and out of a sense of yourself as a protector, then yeah, protector, e- everything you do is okay. Um, so, so I don't know, I you know, it's difficult for me to comment, um, maybe objectively because w- over the life of the show, we've come to know the Smith family quite well and. <laughs> Uh, I've been in touch with them during the week and I understand how difficult this has been for them. But, you know, I'm team, I'm team Will. I think, you know, before we, before we move any further down the path of as a society of saying let's try not to publicly assault each other, um, <laughs> we, should, we should think about what's happened there and we should think about the fact that Will is a protector uh, as he said in yeah. his in his acceptance speech it might even be worth uh just one sec acceptance speech transcript i was having a look at this before before the show pretty good pretty good stuff pretty <laughs> powerful stuff he says <clears throat> he of course begins by citing richard will williams fierce defender of his family and he says that he is overwhelmed by what God is calling him to do and to be in this world. Yeah. And then he goes on to say this, making this film, I got to protect Anjanew Ellis, who is one of the strongest, most delicate people I ever met. I got to protect Sania and Demi, the two actresses that played Venus and Serena. Wow. I'm being called on in my life to love people and to protect people and to be a river to my people. Now, I um, (laughs) I thought what he'd done was... Was, uh, receive money to, to be an actor in a film about, in a film about tennis, but I could have been more wrong. He says, I know to be, to do what, to do what we do, you've got to be able to take abuse and you've got to be able to have people talk crazy about you in this business. You've got to be able to have people disrespecting you and you've got to smile and you've got to pretend like that's okay. But, and then he goes on, it's like, I want to be a vessel for love. Yeah, sure. Um... And I think Chris Rock understands that. I think, uh, and he says, he then says, curiously, I just spit. I hope they didn't see that. I don't know why he was, he was spitting on stage. That might be, that might've been the most offensive moment of the evening. Um, Then he thanks Venus and Serena who must've enjoyed uh, the show. And um, he says he's not. He's not crying for winning an award. It's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine a light on all of the people. Um, again, <laughs> not an actor, apparently. He's, he's, he's a river. <laughs> he's, he's a river. He's a light. He's, he's a light. But one thing he isn't is an actor who uh, <laughs> got a little bit overwhelmed and hit someone in bizarre and unjustified <laughs> circumstances. So don't think that. Um, so yeah, thanks. And I just want to say, just want to say thanks Will for reaching out during the week and, um, and we love you and we hope that you continue to take the law into your own hands as and when you (laughs) consider it appropriate.
1: I was going to send to you, I think that you should next time you're, um. Next time you've got a client who's, is a waiting sentence, you should just read that Jada Pinkett <laughs> yeah. line to the judge. Because <laughs> I love, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible like dodge that they always try and do when mm. they've done something horrible. They're just like, oh, fuck it. Like it's about healing. It's like, what what indiscretion yeah. can, is, is not escapable by this. Like it's so, the, the. The tropes of like God and healing. Yeah,
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I want to be a river to my people like yeah, I don't know what that. I don't know that punching one of those people is a great is a great start <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 Yeah, it made
0: me think because I've I've accepted a few awards in my time. And I just think like imagine if I was accepting a legal award, let's say, and somebody got up there and made a crack about me that was off that was a bit off colour and I thought, I'm just gonna belt this person. So I walked up on stage, belted them, (laughs) resumed my seat, yelled expletives, (laughs) and then forty minutes later
1: was asked to leave. leave, Yeah, said no.
0: And then people gave me a fucking standing ovation and I got the award later. I mean, and what's, what, what planet does that happen on? I mean, you, you kind of think there is just no way that the organisers of that event would go, yeah, let's just still give you the award, even though you've, you've used this event to, to have a violent altercation. <laughs>
1: You know who I bet? I can imagine the person that was applauding the hardest when Will was up there accepting his award for some reason was Jared (laughs) Leto. Jared Leto is just... He's just pure Hollywood to me. Yeah, he is. He'd be standing on a table with Ellen and they'd be cheering. (laughs) So a couple of weeks ago John you mm-hmm. might remember that we were talking about school uniforms because you and I both went to a catholic school yes, in australia that yeah. had uniformed yep. rules so which i just was thinking back to uh, as an adult man thinking mm-hmm. how insane it was the kind of rules that we had mm.
0: to follow being shaved by a brother, I think that was a phrase. Being shaved yeah. by a brother, That'll being one of them, me.
1: correct. Yeah. Uh, how we would be, if our socks fell down, you had to have your socks up at all times mm. as a young boy in the Catholic school. Yeah. Uh, and then if your socks fell down, you'd get a warning and they fell down again, you'd have to go and stand against the wall for a five minute penalty. Yeah. Uh, which again, when that just comes out of my mouth, I can't believe that that happened <laughs> to me, weird. but it did. Yeah. <laughs> But then I, I, I wanted to get an update from the kids, from the TikTokers oh, yeah. generation yeah. about what's going on now because my cousins go to the same school, yeah. St. Ignatius College in uh, Adelaide. yeah, And so Henry had finished quite recently and, right. and his, so Sam is the eldest of the Schultz family okay. kids of my cousins so Sam finished uh, some years ago, then Henry's finished in the last couple of years. At St. Ignatius? At St. Ignatius. Mm-hmm. So Henry got in touch after I reached out to him and asked for an update on mm-hmm. what the latest 21st century uh, rules are, mm. and he wrote back a very eloquent email, mm. Henry. He's a really good writer. I think you as a wordsmith, John, would really appreciate his his writing. Mm. I was... Uh, I was very impressed. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll just read some of the choice points here. He wrote to me, said, Hi, Al. I can gladly report there have been some steps in the right direction, albeit at a more at more of an amble meander than any real attempt to change into the 21st century. He said, regarding uniforms, socks are now allowed to be down during lunch. Oh. With the understanding they would come down during physical activity, but then you've got to hike them back up for just the get around. Yeah, okay. And... Um, and uh, standing against the wall has been phased out, oh.
0: and he too, said too too cruel, too demoralising, <laughs> too
1: cruel, demoralising. Mm. He did say though on that he said more common it would be. He said it's more common for students to be forced to pick up papers for uniform
0: indiscretions. Ah. Uh,
1: he also said it hasn't that has not changed that
0: much then, really.
1: During the during the for, during the formal, which is a prom yeah. for any of our uh, American listeners. There's also, there was also still a point made of the girls not revealing too much. Mm. And he said that, that if they were revealing too much, they might be given a shawl, which they called the shawl of shame. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a shawl. Wow! Yeah, if you so got like uh, which if you got too much decolletage out,
1: exactly too much decolletage, mm. then you'll be shawled. Mm. And he said regarding haircuts and uh, facial hair and piercings, some rules have changed. Facial hair is still so no facial piercings. Yeah, facial hair is still a no. And he said his older brother Sam was once given a cheap big razor and pointed towards the bathroom oh. the teacher unimpressed by his beard. He said, however, I will now be referring to this incident as being shaven by a brother. (laughs) That's a lovely
0: email. Um, Yeah. It sounds fairly similar then really. I mean, the socks down during exercise is different, uh, but most other things are fairly similar. And then we
1: also got a, on this same uniform, Point. We also got a nice message from a friend of the show, yeah. Patrick Koo. Oh, and Patrick wrote to us, and he said, "Hi guys, I was a prefect. How would you explain a prefect,
0: John? Mm, kind of like a, like a kind of what it is is a person who, in their senior year, usually is given a kind of um, leadership position." Is that basically what a Mm. prefect is? So they're, you know, I mean, a lot of schools will appoint like a school captain, maybe you have a vice captain. And then I think at our school and other schools like it, they had uh, a kind of rung under that, which was just kids that were deemed to be, you know, exemplifying good qualities of the school and they were uh, appointed as prefects. Am I remembering that right? That that's what a prefect is? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah.
1: And then part part of the duty is they were kind of a like a conduit between the the, the staff at the school and mm. general student body, and so they were often tasked. They were shills, as, well as
0: shills for the man.
1: Yeah, and they were narcs. Yeah, things.
0: That's right. <laughs> exactly. If there was a cool after party, um, you wouldn't tell a prefect. <laughs> yeah. And he
1: said that he was a prefect at. Prince Alfred College, Mm -hmm. uh, back in the late 90s, and he said because they were so close to the city, one of their duties was to roam Rundle Mall, which for anyone out there outside of Adelaide is like the hip spot for school kids to hang after school. Mm -hmm. And he said uh, it was their duty to roam Rundle Mall on Fridays after school to make sure that the students from PAC Mm. uh, had their uniforms, correct, shirts tucked in, looking nice. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Henry also wrote regarding uh, haircuts. He said that hair couldn't be any longer than a number four with clippers. Okay. And he said that if you wanted to be part of the world's greatest shave, so this is world's greatest shave. um, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's an international thing or it's an Australian thing, but it's where you shave, you collect uh, sponsors to donate money to you. And it it must be for cancer research or something, John. Yeah,
0: I think that's right. And you shave your and then head.
1: then you shave, you shave your head for charity. Yeah. And he said, if you wanted to do that at mm-hmm. the school, you had to have a. <laughs> you had to a, balls had to write a letter to. Yeah, to write a letter to the school, explaining how you'd been personally affected. I'm assuming by cancer. Wow. You couldn't just you couldn't just do it and collect money. Just you out had of a kind of it. generic sense of
0: compassion, that was inadequate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he said, um, "Then he said one time, a group of boys below him got very drunk and cut each other's hair very short with undercuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was this was not for the world's greatest shave. And then the school made them catch the bus in casual clothes out in public and get changed at school, so as not to really oh. be associated with the school. And then they had to wear hats at all times except in class.
0: Wow." That's extraordinary. So what they're worried about really is not that putting piercings in your face or having crazy hair is actually going to make you a bad person. It's just a PR exercise for conservative prospective Mm. parents who are like, oh, those kids look like 'er ne'er-do-wells. I'm not sending my, my Timmy isn't going (laughs) to that school
1: Exactly. Yeah. That kid's got a short haircut. I'm not going to be. I mean, this is the thing. It's like, well, what am I paying thousands of dollars for? Yeah. If, if it's just, if it's, if kids are just running amok over there.
0: Yeah, What's exactly. going on? I'm exactly. not fucking sending my kid there. If I don't want, I want my kid to be a establishment robot. I don't want him to be. <laughs> Exactly. I thought that same thing. All these rules, I just thought, could, could you be
1: more just like setting a child up to just be a cog in the system yeah, to yeah. just like force them to follow rules? Uh, and then also my Italian friend, Marta, got in touch and mm-hmm. she sent me some very cute photographs of what Italian kids <laughs> were wearing at school, which were these cute little smocks. And she said that oh, her yeah. smock was black. They also in some schools, had blue smocks for the boys and mm. pink smocks for the girls oh. in Italy. And what that made me think is, all I want to do is just hear a little baby Italian kids speak in Italian. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's favorite true. thing There's few things in the world. cuter
0: than that. Just a little kid babbling in Italian. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, just as an aside, that the Italian thing made me think of uh, when I was in Oxford, I lived near a school there that was like an elite kind of um, very old educational institution. I think maybe Elaine de Botton had been there for a time. And and the kids there, if I'm remembering the school correctly and not conflating it with another one, but there was certainly a school in my neighbourhood where these kids had to wear kind of the equivalent of what I wear as a barrister, but for like tiny children. So they had these little black gowns on and they kind of looked like little... Trainee vampires like scu- <laughs> scuttering around the streets in these black cloaks. <laughs> One thing that I did enjoy watching the Oscars, which I always love when I watch any group of people from Hollywood en masse, is that plastic surgery is so endemic in that community that they all look like they have some sort of weird genetic trait where they're just <laughs> like if you take any one of those people and you put them in my house, let's say, and it's just you know me and Jacinta and then this person, you'd think, what is going on with that guy's face? It's all ploofy, uh, but but there's like a whole sea of faces that are all ploofed. What would have What would what would
1: happen is if you took a whole bunch of them and you had them at your house, mm. you would think they were all related.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think well, that's really interesting how you've all got that that ploof gene uh, that gives <laughs> that gives you kind of like glistening puffed up cheekbones. It looks like you've all got that gene that looks like you've got quite a lot of pressure behind your face. (laughs) Exactly. Looks like somebody's slightly inflated your face from the inside.
1: The most amazing win for the plastic surgery or the beauty uh, industry Mm has been the normalization Mm. of that Mm. and the destigmatization of it. It's no longer a taboo, rather it's something that's celebrated and in many circles, it's a sign of status that you can actually afford to have it done. Mm. I mean, I have loads of people popping up on my TikTok all the time Mm. that show you their day of going to the Botox woman Mm. and these are men and women in their late 20s mm, that's that right videos of um
0: they, i mean they've barely started aging some a lot of these people so it's not even really and about getting ploofed yeah getting inflated and i think for a lot of them it's about a look that almost that advertises the fact yeah. that you have had this done whereas previously you would have been mortified that somebody would be able to tell that you'd had a procedure i think now the idea is almost i want to have this aesthetic which is like I'm ploofed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite example, which I always ponder is Buzz Aldrin. Cause I think, ah. I mean, the guy has, the guy like went to the moon, you know, he's one of the very few people in human <laughs> history to, to exit the earth's <laughs> atmosphere, go to another planet. You can stand on the surface of the moon and you can, in within your field of vision is the earth and every, life that's ever been every human life that's ever been lived or is being lived you're just looking at it and then he came back and <laughs> evidently that experience made made such a made such a f- faint impression on his psyche that he thought oh I'm in my 70s I better get some ploofs done so I don't look old
1: <laughs> so buzz is getting phone calls from people saying buzz we need we really want to talk to you about what it was like to walk on the surface of the moon and he's just saying to his secretary cancel all those calls i need <laughs> you to find the best plastic
0: surgeon in hollywood <laughs> yeah exactly this week he's going yeah i'll tell you what it was like i went up there and i i saw that fragile blue marble hanging in the darkness of space and i thought oh, i'm not too and i and then i and then i caught sight of my reflection in Neil's visor. And I thought, <laughs> and then I thought, my crow's feet are getting a little bit pronounced. <laughs> <laughs> I see. You know what the, you know what
1: being on the surface of the moon can't do? And that's help you with your jowling. I know, <laughs> he said, to be honest, the only reason that I went to the moon is because I'd been told that the anti-gravitational <laughs> environment would be helpful for my skin and it didn't it didn't yield the results I was
0: expecting if anything being exposed to the sun unshielded by an atmosphere probably didn't probably did me a disservice my
1: hope my hope was that I could stay on the moon and the lack of gravity would allow me to be youthful for longer i was begging nasa just let me stay i just I want to be smooth up here forever. <laughs> and they said, no, you've got to come home. The
0: zero G's doing wonders for my paws. And they said, well, that's not, that's not really part of it.
1: He's like, get the moon dust samples and get back here. He's like, <laughs>
0: <"F-> fine. <laughs> smooth Aldrin. Yeah. He puts little, I, th- I think he brought back some, some space rocks with him and then he ground them into a fine powder. <laughs> And you use them as an exfoliating mask.
1: scrub. <laughs> he made a moon mask. <laughs> this is my clay moon mask. He only he's got buckets of moon dust. Yeah, and in his basement, <laughs> he just works into a clay mask, just mixes
0: it with a bit of vitamin E cream, and then and then he gets a nice scrub going. <laughs>
1: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in episode number 53 of Don't praise the Machine. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you. As always, I've been Alexander Holland and Satix to me, as he is every single week digitally. It's that number one prince of podcasting, John Maloney. You take care out there, and we'll see you next week
0: at the podcast.